Welcome to Dramatic Pause. My name is Donna Spencer and I'm the artistic producer at the Firehall Arts Centre, which is located on the unceded and traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh nations in what is now called Vancouver. Dramatic Pause has been on a bit of a hiatus over the summer, but we are now back and my guest today is the wonderfully talented Star Marenko. We're delighted to be presenting Star's Chapter 21, a new choreography created by her and directed by Yvette Nolan, and produced by Raven Spirit Dance at the Fire Hall from September 29th to October 3rd. And we'll talk more about that during this podcast. Dramatic Pause was first started as a way to connect with artists during the closures of theaters during the pandemic. And who would have thought we would still be being affected by the pandemic 18 months later? So let's talk a bit about how the pandemic has affected your day-to-day life, Star. How has it changed Mm -hmm. things for you? Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, how it has changed. I think that it's it's changed in many different ways over the course of 18 months. I think at the beginning, we all probably thought this was a, a temporary thing, you know, for a few weeks or maybe a few months. So I kind of was enjoying that part of being at home and being with my family and, you know, taking a, a, a breath. And then I think we all realized that this isn't going away anytime soon, right? And so then I started trying to think about, you know, how am I going to be adapting to, to with my work, with my, um, you know, specifically with, with Chapter 21, as you know, we had to reschedule a, a few times and, and change shit, things around. And, you know, I'm still holding on to the, the piece, but yet also not knowing when it was going to be shared. And so it was a lot of... Um, a lot of adapting, I would say, in life and um, also picking and choosing the things that I wanted to focus my my time and energy on, you know, working from home and having, you know, a young son at home and he wasn't at you know, daycare. Everything was closed at that time. It was like, OK, there's only so much time in the day, so it isn't really just business as, as usual. So I was uh, getting a bit discerning, I would say, at the beginning of what I wanted to be doing. And then as time went on, um, I think like many of us, we just realized we had to get out there in some way and start, you know, doing some things again. And so I would say I've been cautiously optimistic, you know, and, and, uh, and you know, taking things, you know, day by day, but also realizing, you know, we can't just stay or I couldn't just stay inside all day kind of waiting for something to happen. I needed to, to go out there and re-engage a bit with the world and my community. And so, um, yeah, that's what we've been doing. And I think now a year and a half into it, um, and of course the show's up now or is going to be up this week, I feel, um, I don't know, for me, I'm, I'm really embracing it as a time to celebrate that you know it's not the way we imagined it but it's still pretty amazing too you know and and isn't that kind of like life you know it's it's not really always the way we imagine it but it's still always pretty amazing do you think that uh this pandemic this pause this dramatic pause will affect Mm -hmm. how you create art in 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 the future I mean I know prior to this Mm -hmm. time we all were sort of like moving so quickly to get our work out there and feeling mm. that there's a certain pressure to do more all the time. And do yeah. you think it's uh, pushed you into a more of a thinking about, uh, more of a, a con- contemplative approach to how you do your work? Yeah. I mean, I've always really valued the um, time that it takes to research a project and to, you know, and work it and workshop it and, and that type of thing. So I've always I've always enjoyed that part and not trying to rush it to production. Um, 
that said, I've also realized over the last year and a half, and I think this is what will continue in my work, is the um, the importance of like all the things that happen around the work too. You know, all of the conversations, all of the um, even the things online. I think that that's been something I've been enjoying this past year and a half is not even necessarily particularly shows online because I, I love live theater. Like you can't replace that online, but I've enjoyed. Um, you know, seeing colleagues work from, you know, across the ocean in Australia or, um, you know, shows that I know I wouldn't have been able to get to physically or even more. Um, I've enjoyed even more the um, artist talks and things that have happened online. And I feel especially in dance, we don't we don't talk a lot about our, our work as much, you know, and, and I feel that this during the pandemic as dancers, we've started to talk about our work differently, talk to each other maybe more than we had and having some really interesting conversations online. So my, my hope is that that'll continue. It's like going to be a hybrid, you know, there'll be the, the show and that'll be the really special thing you get to see in person, but then there'll be all the things around it too, that you can access in different ways. Well, and what you've done with, uh, with chapter 21, and we're going to get into talking more about it, but mm. is you've done a documentary on how it was created mm. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think that was really important and I think, uh, we're going to be screening it, uh, recording mm-hmm. and we'll screen it. So the thing that I find is exciting is exactly what you've said. There's a lot of this work that we would never, ever get to see or artists that mm-hmm. we would never, ever get to meet that we're now mm-hmm. meeting because of online. So I'm hoping yeah. that we'll kind of come out of this with sort of a hybrid way of working. We'll be able to talk to people across the world about yeah. uh, about the work, but not necessarily meet them. We'll only be able to meet them yeah. virtually because I don't totally. think touring is going to come back in the same way, or maybe it will eventually, but yeah. with the, uh, certainly with the um, uh, climate change pressure and all those things, I don't think we're going to be jetting around the world as much as we were before yeah. in terms of artists is what way. I'm thinking. Yeah. So I'm wondering, how did you start dancing how did dance did dance come to you or did you come to dance what happened well, to, what to happened? make you a choreographer choreographer well, I should say yeah I mean if I go way way back when my very first dance class I was three years old at Riley Park Community Center in Vancouver wow. <laughs> and I remember going there with my mom I rem- it's one of my earliest memories of, of being three years old and I remember her asking me if I wanted to do the ballet class or the hula class and um, I guess that's what they were offering. And I and I chose ballet. I remember I chose ballet. I really wanted to wear the little pink, you know, leotard and tutu. And so I went and I and I started taking ballet classes there. And and then like a lot of young young girls and young children, I I took you know ballet and jazz and tap and all of those. And that was really my my world growing up, you know, as a as a young girl and then a teenager. And then um and then I kind of stopped around when I finished high school and. I was starting to work and I, I stopped for a couple of years and, and I remember really distinctly being like um, just this feeling of that something was really missing from, from my life. And I, and I felt like if I, if I didn't go back to dancing, it would be, you know, I, I just really wanted to do that. And so I, so I went back to dance and then um, I went, I ended up going back to SFU to the to school for contemporary arts and doing my dance degree. I had always wanted to go to university I was the first person in my family to go to university and I decided to do it in dance, which didn't totally make sense to a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I was they were like, what, you're going to do a degree in dance? But at, at university, that's when I started realizing that I could, I could do this as a career. There were a lot of different ways that I could 
could be a dance artist. And I met at the same time while I was in university, um, like the week, uh, the week that I started university, I met um, Elder Margaret Harris, um, the late uh, grandmother Harris. And she really um, took me under her wing and really brought me into her family, the the dancers of Dam Lahamid, um, who I now, you know, 15 years later, I'm still dancing with them and very much a part of their family and consider them family. Um, and so I feel like I had these parallel degrees. I was during, doing contemporary dance, but having all of these amazing teachings and trainings from Grandma Harris and the, the dancers of Dam Lahamid and doing my own family research into my mom's side of the family from the Moose Cree First Nation. And so that's really how my, my worlds came together. And then I also saw at the Talking Stick Festival, I saw Michelle Olson do a, a piece there. I was at the show with my mom and I remember saying to her and I I'm like I don't know I didn't have the words how to describe what I was seeing on stage I didn't have that vocabulary yet but I was like whatever that is that that's what I want to do and then I found out later of course it's contemporary indigenous dance and the long history and legacy and all the people who've been doing all the work for so many years around that and then yeah fast forward to Michelle got in touch with me she found out my name through another past student and asked me to come audition for her work and um, so I was in her piece, Gathering Light, and then I started working with the company, and that was um, 12 years ago now. And wow. so now we're, we're <laughs> yeah, sharing the co-artistic director role, and um, that's how it all came to be. <laughs> Did you know, you said you thought, when you went back to dance, you said that you thought something was missing, and, and you went back yeah. to dance. Did you know that you were seeking a connection to Indigenous work at that point, or is that something that just kind of happened through a coincidence? Yeah, um, I did. I did know that, actually, because I was in that little break that I had taken those few years off of dance. I was living in San Francisco, and I was working with um, uh, a nonprofit organization that focused on uh, youth leadership from around the world and connected us with different Indigenous elders. And um, at that time, I was uh, working really closely with um, an elder from Hawaii, Hali Makua. You know, it's interesting because there's the Hawaiian connection with the hula dance. I never put that together. <laughs> but um, so so elder Hali Makua, he's now an ancestor as well. And um, he, he just was so supportive of always um, reminding us, you know, remember who you are, remember why you came, remember your ancestors, remember, you know, he just was always encouraging us to remember. And when he passed away, um, I was, I went to Hawaii for his, uh, for the ceremony after his passing. And I remember sitting at the edge of the volcano in Hawaii and, and making a promise to him and to myself that I was going to remember who I was and I was going to remember my family and I was going to remember that I was an artist and, you know, all of that. And so that kind of brought me back to Vancouver with with that in my mind I'm like I need to find out more who who I am I know I'm an artist you know I knew my mom's side of the family you know obviously I knew my grandma and growing up with her and but I never it was a different time then too as an indigenous artist I think we were just starting to really reclaim that and what that means you know I I knew that my you know my grandma would go home to Moose Factory and she'd come back every summer and bring me moccasins and we'd go to powwows and things. But that's just stuff I did with my grandma. I wasn't really like processing it the way you do as an adult, right? So I think that, yeah, in answer to your question, I think it all kind of came, coalesced together at the same time and just set me on that path. 
Yeah. With contemporary, well, when, it's funny, you were talking about ballet, and I always think of ballet as people working so hard to get off the ground. So I'm really curious about the difference between when you say Indigenous contemporary dance and mm. contemporary dance. I I, mm. I feel that there's a sense of groundedness in the contemporary Indigenous mm. dance that I've seen a connection mm. to, the, to the earth, to the ground, mm. and I don't know if mm. that's just my interpretation of what I'm seeing, but mm. it's interesting that for me to, because I just, I go ballet. Okay, Star started in ballet when she could have started in Hulu. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But you started in ballet and now you've come, which is, it influences your work and makes it so rich mm. to um, mm. uh, uh, contemporary Indigenous dance, which is, mm. is slightly, well, certainly very different from ballet. But yeah. I'm just wondering if, if there are, there are, um, fragments or uh, different influences within Indigenous contemporary dance that are about Mm. connection to the earth? Mm. Yeah, I I would say so, because it, um, I mean, as a form, I think when people see it on stage, they would recognize it as more like looking like contemporary dance. Um, But as a form, I would say the things that make it what it is and it's something me and my 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 friends my colleagues my community we're always sort of talking about this too is what what actually makes it you know contemporary indigenous dance and I think we've come to sort of the the shared conclusion that it's really the world view that we bring into the room and the perspective and so that's from our own lives from our community from the teachings from our elders from the way that we view the space and that we prepare the space that we activate the space, the way that we move through the space. Um, I think that this idea of connecting to the earth and to the ground, I definitely feel that when I dance. I feel I feel that when I'm not connected, for sure. I feel like when I'm getting too up in my body, this you know, even happened last rehearsal. I was like, yeah, I gotta just sink back down into the into the floor, into my body and feel the the ground and the earth holding me that way. And so there, and then definitely, certainly with traditional dance, it's so much about connection to the ground, to the earth, right? And and walking, walking, dancing gently on Mother Earth, and and so there's um there's that relationship for sure, and I feel like that comes into my my work all the all all the time. I'm I'm thinking about that and processing that, and even being at the fire hall, you know, this past week in our tech. Um, time it's just been like even the history the history in that building where that building stands the what's the earth below the floor you know all of that I'm, I'm really always connecting into that so I feel that that's yeah that would be part of contemporary indigenous dance I feel too that a lot of us as artists we work with a lot of um imagery imagery metaphor teachings um it's almost like refer- even in my in, even in my piece now with chapter twenty one. If if people pay attention closely, there's these little codes or these little you know sort of motifs or things that would definitely reference um, an indigenous perspective that I'm bringing into the work. Mm-hmm. Is uh, moving into chapter twenty one? Would you consider it to be uh, an audio autobiographical choreography, or is it? Uh, uh, essences of the autobiography and others mm. that are not there. I mean, I, there's mm. not a lot of of auto, autobiographical contemporary dance out there, really. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not one. I'm wondering if it's 
if that was a choice, well, it was a choice, I think, when you decided uh -huh. to take on this piece, um, yeah. because it is your life we're seeing to a degree on stage. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it, it's, it's definitely autobiographical. There's nothing in there that didn't actually happen <laughs> to me. Um, so, so that it's very, uh, you know, what I was saying, even before everything that happened in chapter 21, um, you know, before becoming a mom and having um, my health challenges and everything, I was working with a mentor, um, Alejandro Ronceria. This was the summer before I got pregnant. And we were talking about solo work and all the different things that you can, you know, dance about and create about. And I remember naively now looking back at it thinking, I wonder what I would do my solo work about. You know, we were talking about the craft of creating a solo work, but I didn't know what the content was going to be. And then now, of course, I've got, you know, so much content. <laughs> it's like, you know, I have to sift through it all. Right. And so so then then, yes, the you know, after that, you know, a year and a half after that, that was everything that made it into the piece. And um, and there was a lot that didn't make it into the piece. But I think that what what people will see is, is there like vignettes or scenes or, or moments of my journey? They're not linear. They're very much intentionally not linear because that's how I felt it was when it was happening to me. It was, you know, things that was sort of, was that past, present, future? Is this like now time, dream time, a hospital moment, a, you know, a, a mother moment, all those kind of things. So um, we purposely we put it together like that. And then, um, so I feel like there's scenes or, or glimpses into moments that I had experienced during that time. And I feel too, I've been saying this this past week is I feel like there's, you know, 10 mini solos inside the solo because each, each moment or each sort of scene just has a very different emotional state, a physical state of the body, a different, um, transition into the scene out of the scene so it's it's challenging and exciting being inside the work to just keep flipping through that you know it's it's very much it's, it's very much a one-woman show with yeah. different aspects of the same character which is me <laughs> which yeah. that's really interesting because you refer I mean when by saying it's a one-woman show it makes it sort of points out the theatricality of it all mm. it's not I mean it's not that solo work does not have aspects of um, one's history in it, or, but it mm. tends to be resonating about emotional states more so than mm. actual story or, or in terms yeah. of a lot of the solo work that I've seen. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, you have a director involved with this, uh, Yvette mm. Nolan, a very well-known and very great director. Uh, mm. And I wonder where that choice, did that choice happen right from the beginning or because you knew obviously you wanted an outside eye of some kind, mm. but, mm. but within all of your solos that make up the big solo, uh, there is a real dramatic curve, um, from the, what I've said, mm. a real sort of, um, story, um, mm. that we use all the time in the creation of theater work and not, uh -huh. I don't see it so much in dance. So I guess I'm yeah. trying to get back to my question, which was, did you know you were going to work with Yvette when you decided on this journey or did, how did that, that all unfold? Involved. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know at the beginning, um, you know, mostly because I also didn't even know if it was going to be a piece or if it was just me in the studio kind of processing what had just happened and sharing it with a few close friends or maybe even a work in progress showing or something. And, uh, and then after, after it was probably around the time actually we showed it at 
danced on the edge upstairs in the studio when it was, um, you know, we had all the different scenes together and Alvin had been helping me quite a bit. Alvin Talentino is an outside eye and Michelle Olsen. And we, we all kind of talked about it afterwards and, and because it was so clear the theatrical elements that were presenting themselves. So a lot of the, the text, um, the recorded text, and then there was this impulse that at some moments I would speak, speak the text as well. And Yvette just happened to be coming into town that fall. And so Michelle suggested that. She said, why don't you ask Yvette if she'd pop in and just take a look at what you're working on and see what she thinks. And um, and I was I feel so blessed and so grateful that she did show up. We spent a couple days together. We put all the scenes on the cards and she, you know, just worked her magic. And she was like, what do you think if we just, you know, mess this all up kind of thing and put it in this order? Let's try it like this. And then as you were saying, that's, I mean, that's the theatrical part too, where finding the, the arc and the, and where one scene connects to the other. And so, um, yeah, it was pretty clear after that fall together that I, one, that I, I needed a theater eye on it. I needed a director and, and how much I would love for that to be a vet. And so I asked her and, and she said, yes, she would love to be a part of it. And, and so we started that journey together and she doesn't live in Vancouver, but she's been, you know, flying in and out for, rehearsals or we'll do stuff on on the on the phone or I'll send her a, a video to watch that kind of thing um so yeah and then I was talking to my partner the other day that one thing that's been really fun this past week because we've been in the theater and Yvette's been there she's been giving me all these you know actor notes and actor tips and stuff and when I was taking that hiatus off dance you know in my early 20s I um I dabbled in theater a bit I did you know I did some uh Panto shows at the Metro and some community theater and was taking classes. And so it's kind of fun that it's come full circle where I can actually have a little bit of fun acting as well as dancing. And so I'm really enjoying, enjoying that. And then, um, yeah, it's a whole different way of, of being in the theater. There's different, you know, different uh, tools that actors use and in the craft and stuff. So it's been fun. Well, I've always thought that, uh, uh, and I love dance a lot, and I see quite a bit of it, and I often thought, because I come from a theater background, I've mm. always thought, well, if we use some of the processes we use in theater in terms of the notes and the actual dramatic curves and things, that uh, and the arcs, that we actually might be able to create a stronger stronger vision in some of the dance works mm. that we see. I mean, mm -hmm. I admire uh, choreographers and how they can, how they can share... Uh, an emotional sequence so much easier than you can actually do that with text. So I get kind of mm. caught between because simple sometimes will will give you the opportunity to share big ideas. Um, uh -huh. And, I, and I, when I popped in uh, on uh, whatever day it was last week, Yvette was you were asking something, and I went, um, and Yvette came in and said, "No, just do it." <laughs> mm. I think your note yep. was something like that. Just, oh yeah, don't, just don't worry about it. Just do, just do that. Just do it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And be yeah. and and that was kind of like a um, uh, living in your body kind of thing. Action, like just mm. do the action. Don't worry about coloring it with a whole bunch of stuff on top of it. So yeah. it was it was very uh, it was it was great to see. And you went, and then you went okay. <laughs> And then I just did it. Yeah. And then you just did it. And it was as opposed to having to add layers on it. And I, I think that yeah. probably happens in dance as well as in theater. But you can see it. You see the difference in theater because you're usually dealing with text or a huge, yeah. um, huge action or something that's very yeah. different than sometimes in dance. Not to say that dance doesn't have huge actions. That's not actually what yeah. I mean. But, but, yeah, uh, but I know what you mean. Like, and there's been, you know, even in the room, we've had that conversation with Yvette and the other collaborators too, of just 
when when is it the strongest choice to say it through movement? When do we actually bring in the text? What text am I saying? Am yeah. I saying it um, live or is it a recorded text coming in part of the sound score that's holding that scene with me? So, yeah, I feel like we've got um, a lot more colors in my in my my paint box <laughs> with this yeah. with this yeah, piece, yeah. which is super fun, you know, to be able to to draw on all that. When you started this piece, um, was it therapy? I mean, was it, mm. did you feel you just needed to dance it out? Mm. Yeah, I did. I think because when I first started, it was literally myself, just myself in the studio. And I, I wasn't even really, I don't even think I told anybody that I was going back into the studio. I just was like, my son was at daycare and I had a few hours free and I just booked a spot and I, I, you know, I, I just came into the studio and I, I started actually doing just writing. It's a lot of writing stream of consciousness recording of my voice. And then I would listen to what I recorded and I would move in response to what I had just shared. And so it was almost this conversation with myself. Um, and I kept saying to myself, I was like, Hey, I wanted to give my body the space to say what it needed to say and to unravel it out of, out of my body, you know, so I didn't need to keep it inside. So, yeah, I think it was, it was therapeutic to, to go through. It still is. It's a different, it's a different kind of therapy now that I'm feeling. It's almost like now that we're so close to the premiere, it feels like it has come out of my body. And now there's this story that I can say is a dance theater piece and I can pick it up and look at it, consider it, and then put it back on the shelf and continue with my life. Do you want to um, yeah. share just really quickly, and I don't want you to go into it in depth because we want people to come see mm. the work, how, yeah. what the story, how, how you got to this place, sure. wh why you had to create this piece? Yeah. So um, in a nutshell, it was a huge uh, collision of events that all happened at the same time. After many years of uh, trying to, to get pregnant, trying to be a mom, and and uh, I've, I've got pregnant and I found out that our son, Sammy, was going to have Down syndrome. And he was uh, born, we were happy, he was healthy. And three weeks after uh, he was born, I was diagnosed with early stage three breast cancer. And so that all happened within you know, a span of months, literally weeks. And, um, and that was what, what, uh, <laughs> what I was dealt, that was the hand I was dealt to be like, okay, how am I going to now process this, move through it? I've, um, you know, obviously a cancer diagnosis is a pretty serious thing, so it's not something that can be ignored. And having a three-week-old baby is a very serious thing, too. That you need <laughs> yeah, you to can't exactly on. ignore that <laughs> either. He's yeah. such a gorgeous yeah. boy. Sammy is, is so beautiful. He's so he beautiful. <laughs> and he so happy. And, and you've come through this with such bravery and, like, Whoa, <laughs> I applaud you for that. And, and, and the fact that you've turned it into this artistic work that is really powerful um, and not, not linear. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's not, yeah. oh, my story, this is what happened and this is what happened. It's not that way at all. People will find it so exciting to, to work their way through it with you. And yeah. it's so exciting to hear that you now can set it aside and not... It's not that you don't care about the work, but the work yeah. has become this actual finished piece that we, yeah. I wonder if we would have been able to show it 
when we originally planned to show it, because this is the third yeah. time, third time lucky, uh, we're yeah. going to have it up, whether it would have been as rich as it is now, because it, yeah. so much has gone on since then. I know. It's, I've been thinking this. about that. Totally. I've been thinking about that too. You know, for myself personally, it's, um, it's settled in me differently. I have a different, uh, obviously a different, uh, um, distance from it too. So I'm finding, I'm finding, you know, in every day, every day, the rehearsals, I'm just finding another piece that connects or another like aha moment, you know, with it. And I think too, that because of being in a pandemic and being that we haven't, you know, been able to see, you know, live theater and dance and that everyone's been going through their own, their own, you know, their own difficult moment and different choices people are having to make and trying to navigate things. It's in some ways, maybe, maybe it's even more relatable now, who knows, right? But it's, I, I think, you know, I've said that is, I hope, I, I always pray that nobody has to go through, through a, a similar experience with a cancer diagnosis. And, and I feel that there's enough to relate to that. I think what people will see is that it's the human experience of going through a really difficult time in life. And those are the things that are pretty much a guarantee. If you're a human being, you're going to have difficult moments in life, right? And, and how do we navigate them? How do we move through them? How do we, um, what are the choices we make? And how do we uh, hopefully come out of it on the other side? So I feel like that's what people will be able to, to relate to. And then, of course, there are going to be people in the audience who either have been touched directly by cancer or know somebody or I have an amazing community of fellow mamas who have amazing children who have Down syndrome as well and they've really embraced me and this piece you know as as their own you know and they're all coming to the show and and have been cheering me on so it's um yeah I think it is it is going to be my my hope is that it'll be a, a shared experience that we can travel through together. Well, that's what we all, I think, aspire to as artists or performing artists. Mm. I think performing artists, mm. especially if you're creating new work and not just mm. picking work up from a script, although there's some amazing scripts out there that when they're picked up and dealt with properly, they resonate for a long time. So what mm. we do as artists or artistic people is to try to interpret life or um, mm. share uh, all these moments of angst and joy on stage yeah. and I think that's what I really do think audiences have been missing that 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 yeah. even though they're not performing or creating the work when they sit in the room with us they're yeah. part of that and and they're so important to our work uh, and that's totally. one thing you really do miss when you're yeah. streaming or recording stuff is that connection to those people as we say the fourth wall well I I, I like breaking down the fourth wall and, and I always yeah. think of the audience as part of the show because oh, if totally. they're not there with you um there's no show yeah and I think <laughs> really totally and I think we've all like seen and experienced that obviously this past year and a half right if there's there's something huge missing you know on both sides of that yeah. right of that relationship yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Welcome, welcome. I can't, I can't wait to welcome people back, and hopefully, it'll go on for a while, and we won't have to close down again because that's happened yeah. several times. Do you want to share a bit about why you chose the people you chose to work on this piece with you? How did that happen? I mean, sure. you don't just—I mean, yeah. we know we have Yvette, but you have a lighting yeah. designer and a sound designer, and yeah. So our, um, well, I always say, really, I mean, this, this is my dream team. This is my, like, these are the people that I really wanted to work with and to have them all together in the same room has been so amazing. 
And um, so I have uh, Yvette directing and then Alvin Tolentino and Michelle have been mentoring me as dramatic or sorry, of um, dramaturg, choreographer, mentor, outside eye. And um, I have Jonathan Kim doing the lighting and uh, Amanda Parafina is my stage manager. Edgardo Moreno is uh, doing my music, composed original sound score. Um, Edgardo and I worked together on Spine of the Mother, which was a, a piece that I did a few years ago. Um, he's from Hamilton, Ontario, originally from Chile, and he's flying out for opening night. He's actually flying in tonight. He'll be there for some sound check, and he's going to join us for opening night with his family from Hamilton, which is really special. And I really chose the people that, um, and then Jeanette Kotowicz, who's a, a very dear friend and dancer. She helped me with the costuming. And, um, and Sophia Wolf is a videographer and director who's been creating the, the documentary about the piece. And I really chose everyone quite intentionally or, or invited, I would say. It was an invitation to them and they accepted my invitation um, because they were people I felt, I mean, not only are they amazingly talented at what they do, but they are very generous human beings. And I feel like they, um, I felt like they could uh, hold the space with me for this kind of um, material and content with a certain um yeah, a certain level of care and, and and courage. And I feel in the same way that when I went through all these all of these experiences in real life, I had a, a very close circle and community of people that held me. And I feel like with this group of collaborators, they are my artistic community that's holding me and holding the work and making sure that I'm that I'm okay in it, you know, and, and that and then um yeah, and when we're all in the room together, especially because it's been a longer collaboration now too, it's it's been really wonderful because there's just so much richness, all of those relationships, and and um, and everyone's just so good at what they do. <laughs> just you know, it's just it's so wonderful because everyone's just offering so many amazing things to the to the to the piece. And I realized with solo work, I mean, you need you need that team around you, and. Um, and I think, too, speaking about theater, that's something that we sometimes don't do so much with dance for whatever the reason. We seem to think we can do a lot more on our own, whereas theater like brings the team together, you know, and you have you have all of the different uh, roles in the room. And so I, I'm embracing that. I, I, I think that's something we can learn from theater, that it's, it's, it's actually a good thing to have all of those extra hands and help and eyes on the work. Well, I think sometimes dance... Um has been forced to sort of be yeah. done by itself in a way because it's such yeah. an underfunded art form compared to yeah. some of the other art forms like music, for example, or theater. So, yeah. I mean, I think the process has been sort of moved from the idea of I'm going to paint a picture on my own to I'm going to create an expression mm. or images on my own. And I, I know mm. what they are, but since mm. since it's not you can't step outside of your body and watch it you really do need yeah. and video yeah. does not do it video video no. taping yourself doing it does not give you the same depth as as sitting in the theater watching yourself so outside eyes yeah. are so important i think yeah, and, and totally. not not rehearsal directors but people who are thoughtfully engaging in discussion with you about what it is you're trying to say yeah i think uh, yeah totally i'm so happy to see more and more of that happening in dance so now I'm going to ask you how it feels to be co-artistic director of Raven Spirit Dance. I mean, you've been mm. kind of doing a lot of supportive work for Michelle for a long time, but Michelle is stepping mm. away to do a degree, I believe. 
Yes, um, <laughs> she's doing her uh, master's degree in directing at UBC. Yeah, and that'll really so change great. how she does her work, I'm sure. I mean, it'll just totally things. So what does that mean for you? Do you carry the company through the next year in a bit? Yeah, or? yeah. So we've sort of mapped out um, the next couple years for Raven Spirit. And, um, and then as you said, yeah, Michelle and I, I mean, we've been sort of co-leading, co-holding the company for a while now. And, and we both really love working that way together. Um, I think that it's, it's, for us, it's a really supportive model as a company, you know, artistically, uh, you know, we're both mums too. So that, you know, also helps um, just hold, hold everything. And so, yeah, when she mentioned earlier this year that she was wanting to go back to school and I really encouraged her to, to go for it. And, um, you know, she asked me uh, how I felt about that, if I would, you know, feel okay, you know, leading the company while she was away. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when she was on her second maternity leave, I, I um, with her son, I took the lead on the company. And then when I was away on my maternity leave, she, you know, took the lead as well. And so we've kind of done this dance together for many years. And now it's more formalized. Um, and we just thought about that, you know, is it, is it that I'm taking over as artistic director for a year or two? And then we both thought about it. We're like, no, it's really, I think, stepping into this co-artistic mm-hmm. director leadership role. And we will be fluid when we're kind of who's leading and who's, you know, taking a step back as needed. So I feel excited about it. I feel like we've mapped out the next two years as best anyone can right now with all the variables. But um, But we have, you know, we have a nice mix, I think, of work and development of, some local touring and then a direction the company's heading in is really um, supporting emerging Indigenous choreographers. That's something that is really important to Michelle and I and, and something that we received earlier on in our career that has made a huge difference and continues to be a big part of our lives having mentors. So we're, we're looking at how we can um, open up some space in the company for, for that, for emerging artists to to explore their ideas and have some opportunities to share that. Do you want to share a bit about what your next project is, or are you going to take a pause? Yeah. I mean, this is up. It closes. Uh, it's here until Sunday and then it'll be up online. Yeah. But what are you going to do next? Are you going to take a week off? <laughs> or yeah, do I will try to, I will try to take a week <laughs> or two off and just kind of decompress. Um, and then this fall, we've got Michelle and I are co-curating uh, dance in Vancouver, along with the international curator, Angel- Angela Conquette from uh, Australia. So that'll be in November. Um, that's more of a supportive role, I would say, in just uh, with curating. And then we have, um, our emerging choreographers uh, training that we've been doing will be a part of that. And then uh, our next sort of big piece is we're going to be premiering Confluence at Dance on the Edge next summer um, in July. And that's also been a piece that's been many years in the making and different iterations through the pandemic. And um, we're really excited about that. It's a group piece with um, some really strong, amazing Indigenous artists, Jeanette Kotowicz and Tasha Faye Evans and Michelle and I both dance in it. And we have different guest dancers that have come in um, in and out as well. There's uh, generally five or six dancers in the piece. So that's exciting. And um, we'll see where, where it goes after that. But we'll be focusing on a summer premiere. And, and you worked with uh, uh, Tasha Faye on Spine. The, yes, which I thought yeah. I think that was the first choreography that I really registered that you had done yeah. it really registered yeah. for me that was a very powerful piece 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Tasha and I became very good friends um, from that. And we still are really, really close. And she has um, an amazing work. She's creating now a, a solo work called Cedar Woman that she'll be um, sharing at Dance in Vancouver and premiering next year. And it's also a, a very powerful work. And yeah, it's really wonderful to see all these amazing women that I love and adore and respect. Everyone's just finding some really deep stories and deep, deep places they're going to in their artistic expression and with with spine you collab that i'm i'm giving it a short title but when when yeah. you uh, you collaborated on that right with yeah you collaborate yeah. with a, a peruvian artist yeah Pro- so we have um so spine of the mother we always call it spine too for short so spine of the mother is um is uh it, it came from um a teaching in peru um that uh when i was traveling down there they were sharing this the elders would talk about the spine of mother earth being the andean mountain range that we share between north and south america central america that whole mountain range and so i started um doing some research when i was going down to peru with uh two artists in lima andrea and adriana and uh we were doing a lot of skype at that time it was funny because you know this was before zoom and before where we are now that was 10 years ago so we were doing skype from the dance center um with Tasha and uh, and um, the two artists in Peru, and then um, yeah, so that was a long a long research process as well. And then the artists from Peru came up to Vancouver, and then in the end, it became a, a, a duet. It had kind of gone from a three four person, then it went to a duet, and um, and now it's danced by two dancers here in Vancouver. But our dream is always to bring it back to, to Peru. I'd love that as sort of a full circle experience to, to go back there. But it's very much uh, was a collaboration with artists uh, and traditional teachers in Peru. And talking about uh, 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 collaboration and things going back full circle, is, is, mm-hmm. did you not meet your husband in Peru? I did. Yes, we did. <laughs> we met uh, many, many years ago on top of a glacier in Peru. And um, yes, we did. And, uh, and he lives here now in Vancouver. And, uh, and obviously, you know, Sam's dad. And um, yeah, that's, that's full circle. That was all many moons ago. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> all right. Well, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you my question about um, what to you is a dramatic pause? What, what is the dramatic pause mm. in your life? Mm. Dramatic pause. Um, I would say for me, the dramatic pauses when I look back in my life are the moments that bring you really into the present, you know, where everything just stands still, whether that's, you know, it could be a difficult moment. It could be a moment of exhaustion where you just take a deep breath and take a pause, or it could be these, you know, really beautiful moments too that happen in our life as well that are just you know they take your breath away and you just can't do anything except take that dramatic pause you know whether it's like a beautiful sunset or in the birth of your child or or um even this dramatic pause i recently had such a a gift to be able to spend literally the last few hours of my friend's life with her you know before she made that transition and and I thought to myself, what a gift to just hold her hand and brush her hair aside and sing to her. And she was, you know, sort of still there with us and, you know, also getting ready to leave. And I mean, that's the ultimate dramatic pause, I think, yeah. that moment before you before you go into your, your next journey. journey yeah. You know? yeah. And so and I feel like there's that moment that feels the same when someone's going to die and when somebody is being born. 
it's the same feeling for me in the room. You know, it's yeah. like things get a bit crystallized and they, they kind of time 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 shift. So I would say those dramatic pauses, they're, they're really just a pause, but they bring you into the present moment. And I think that's where the dramatic part is, where it's just everything just is heightened and you, and you just feel so grateful and so present in that moment. It's beautiful. Do you yeah. take dramatic pauses in chapter 21? I do. I do. I, I take some that are just for me. I don't know if an audience would be able to see what I'm doing, but I have these moments in this sort of map of the piece where I know those are those moments. And then I have some that are very much about sharing it with the audience, you know, having this dramatic pause together where we can take a breath or exhale or be ready before we jump into the next scene. So I, I have I have put those in intentionally. And then I also um, have them for myself. I would say even the moment before I step on stage, in the moment when I when I leave the stage, I, I, I do take a moment of dramatic pause just to take that all in and okay yeah <laughs> well, I, I I think unfortunately some people think dramatic pauses are, are uh, structured within scripts and so there's lots of pauses mm. that's not mm. a dramatic pause you've explained it uh-huh. or, or you uh, you've sort of uh, you've illustrated it so well uh, as to what it is mm. whether it's in life or whether it is on stage actually because you're mm. actually putting meaning into time time stops yeah briefly for you and there's some meaning there that is resonating through you somehow some for some reason um yeah yeah. um and now with chapter 21 we're going to have talkbacks after every one of the shows um and that's going to be an opportunity to share uh all sorts of thoughts like for example i'm going to be doing one of them and (laughs) who knows what we'll be talking about but you have other people who are doing talkbacks do you want to share what they're going to what their focus is going to be yeah, yeah, I felt that it was really important for this piece in particular because of the the content and what we're what we're discussing and experiencing that I wanted to make that available for people if they would like to stay after the show with us. And so I have I've invited people that have been uh, different parts of the journey with me. Um, so as you said, you're, you'll be doing the opening night, and Yvette's going to join us on stage that night as well. And then uh, we have one evening on Thursday with Lisa Jelly Martin, and she's a uh, artistic director of 605 um, in Vancouver, company 605. And she did a talk back with me um, after our screening of a work in progress of the documentary. And her and I have, um, yeah, just really connected as artists and, and mothers. And, and uh, so that's going to be that one. Uh, I also have my friend, uh, Taffy Welter, who's an NLP practitioner and an author and somebody I worked very closely with during my treatments almost every week. She did some early work in her career at the BC Cancer Agency and doing mindfulness meditation uh, classes. And she really helped me to get in the mindset or the zone that I needed to be to, to move through everything. And so I've invited her to do a talk back. Um, Michelle Olson is going to be doing Saturday night, which is always really wonderful to speak to her. And then um, on Sunday, I have Mary Cardle. She's um, a fellow P21 mama, we call each other. And so her her daughter has trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. And she has a podcast called T21 Mom. And she interviewed me um, earlier this this year. And so I've invited her um, to come. And uh, that'll be a really wonderful, different kind of talk too, you know, as, as somebody who maybe isn't directly 
in the arts, but very much can relate to a big part of the story too. So that'll be, that'll be uh, closing. So not only do people get the chance to see this amazing piece, they actually get to hear all sorts of um, commentary uh, about it yeah. or how it was created or how it connects to 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 yeah. uh, day to day living. Really, when you think about it, because you're talking yeah. about talking about the um, the the people that you worked with to heal yourself, but also the people yeah. that you connect with because of Sammy and what a rich community that is. So yeah, I, totally. I, I, I hope when people are picking which show they're going to see that they go, okay, I'm, I, I want to hear this person or I want to hear whatever. Yeah. Now, or you maybe want to yeah. come to all of them. That's also possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. That's possible too. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me too, that in October, because this goes into October, October is um, Down Syndrome Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We didn't plan it like that, but that's just how, you know, the show's opening at this time. So I love that synchronicity. And we're going to be, I'm going to be facilitating a couple of uh, workshops on Zoom uh, later in the month in October and specifically for two communities. So one will be for women who have gone through a cancer experience and um, the other will be for moms who have children with Down syndrome. And we're going to have it. It's just no experience necessary. It's just, you know, come as you are and it'll be on Zoom so everyone can feel comfortable at home. And it'll be, um, yeah, just moving through some of the um, movement material in the actual piece. I'll, I'll be explaining, you know, what that represents for me and then um, encouraging people to also find some of their own personal movements that represent part of their their story. So um, that'll be happening in, in October. Um, and then also we have, as you mentioned before, there'll be the option to view a recording of, the, of the, one of the live performances. So if people can't make it to the show or if they have friends who live outside of Vancouver that would like to see it that'll be made available um, as well in the weeks to follow after the show. Do you think that this is something you're going to do in the rest of your work? I mean this this piece is really personal to you but do you Mm -hmm. think that this outreach kind of connection and um, trying to connect the content or the themes of the work into the community is something you want to do more in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I've always, I always love connecting out in, you know, I love relationships. I love, I love being a part of the community. Um, I feel like it makes it for us as artists, like why, a deeper why we do the work that we do. And so, um, and I love that, you know, through this work, we're reaching out to different communities that maybe wouldn't come to the theater normally um, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's just not in, in their on their radar as much. And so I feel like it is something that I'd like to continue. And I, and I feel like it's, um, you know, for people, people that are interested in learning more, giving, just giving them ways to connect more with the work beyond the show. So I feel that it is something I'd like to continue in, in some way with future work. So we're going to wrap this up because I know you have a rehearsal this afternoon, um, <laughs> but I have a question I ask all my, uh, all the people I interview if and now I know money isn't success, <laughs> but mm. if you were had a lot of money, what would you do mm. with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I see money as as energy, and and I see it as as uh, as possibility and choice. And so for me, I feel like I would if I had all the money in the world, I would I would be doing more of what I'm doing already I think which which feels good to say that I would have the capacity to do more I would I would be able to do more of those outreach things I would be able to um, 
you know, go up to one of the things that I, I, I dream about so much is making dance available to more remote communities. You know, my mom's from the Moose Cree First Nation up in northern Ontario. I spent a lot of time in Attawapiskat over several years working on a theater project with um, the children there in the elementary school. And, and I've just, I just would love to make it more accessible, make art more accessible to some of those communities. So whether that would be bringing artists up there or bringing some of the children from the community, you know, to, to the big city to see a theater piece. I'm not sure how I would do that, but, but yeah, I would love to make art more available. I, um, I would love to um, support some of the communities that are really important to me in, in Peru. Um, there's a lot of really amazing projects that are happening in the Sacred Valley and in Peru that are really close to my heart that I would love to, you know, I've said to my friends before, I'm like, my dream job would be to be a philanthropist. Like how amazing would that be just to be able to like, you know, give to things that you believe in and that you see potential in and, and, uh, and yeah, and, and still, still doing all the things that I do. Maybe I'd hire some, maybe some more assistants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had, I maybe have more of a team that I could that could help me do some of these things. <laughs> well, it's I find it really interesting because every I ask this question of every person I've interviewed, and uh, in true artistic fashion, no one says, "Oh, I want to buy a big estate on the top of the hill," or "I want uh-huh. a, a, a place with a swimming pool." Everybody says that they want to invest the money back into the community, either artistically or to bring health to the community. And it, it, it just goes to reflect, I think, how generous artists are and artistic people are. We want, you know, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but it seems to me like you want to do work that will benefit people, whether it's artistically, totally. creatively, creatively, or what, creatively or whatever. So it's kind yeah. of, uh, uh, it reflects, I guess, artists' generosity. I mean, you have to be a generous person to share your work on stage, as fearful as yeah. that can be. You have to yeah. be, uh, to do really good work, you have to be generous um, because yeah. you're giving it, you're giving it to someone. Uh, it's not yeah. yours to hang on to. It's yours to share. So it's mo- yeah. the money question always, um, no one, as I said, ha- has ever said, I just want to buy a new car. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much star for doing this yeah thank you so much dramatic pause is made possible through the support of the canada council for the arts department of canadian heritage bc arts council and the city of vancouver and fire halls many individual donors in support of thank you for listening and if you have any questions or feedback about today's podcast please direct them to firehall at firehallartcenter.ca and we'll get back to you as soon as possible Thank you so much for listening. Dramatic Pause is recorded at the Firehall Arts Centre in downtown Eastside, Vancouver. It is presented by our artistic producer Donna Spencer and produced by technical director Alastair Wallace. The Firehall Arts Centre has been producing and presenting Canadian theatre and dance since 1982, and we couldn't do this without the help of our generous sponsors, benefactors and patrons. If you'd like to support Canadian theatre and artists by becoming a donor, you can visit our website, www.firehallartcenter.ca.